Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, what's up, guys? It's Mike Lynch. What's going on? This is Rashad. This is the Sports Sunday Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. It is now brought to you on the fan by your local Les Schwab Tire Centers. Doing the right thing since 1952. Kick the tires and light the fires, Big Daddy. The matchups, the superstars, the games. Starting defense, place at the table. This is Football Sunday on The Fan, a comprehensive look at today's National Football League action with your hosts, Mike Lynch and Rashad Taylor. You all know what you have to do. Remember, no one, and I mean no one, comes into our house pushes us around this is football sunday with mike and rashad on 1080 the fan well it's not football sunday with mike and rashad today it's football sunday with mike and jesse today rashad is out uh i actually don't know where he is but uh he was gone this weekend i think he's out of town because he also was not available for high school football yesterday and boy let me tell you he is lucky to not be sitting in this room right now it is so hot so nice we'll get to the, we'll get to that weird opinion in a second it is so hot and stuffy in this building right now i texted our it engineer and he goes yeah it was like that yesterday too i'm coming down today to look at it so uh, i walked in the building and i was like oh you know it's a little warm that's fine right it's cold out this morning i understand the heat's on okay i'm, I'm not someone who likes it to be overly hot like we we keep our house pretty cold uh by most people's standards i would say um but i walked into the studio and well to put it lightly it smells like man and that is because yesterday we had three two to three people in here at like one in the morning doing the ducks post game show and that's only been seven hours since that that show got off the air so it still smells like them because there's absolutely no airflow in here if i talk and the room is airtight and shut because it's a soundproof room am i going to suffocate Am I going to take all the oxygen out of this room? There's literally no air in here. It is so hot. I mean, <laughs> technically, there's some sort of like air exchange in the room, but I don't think it really. I don't think does it's on. much. I don't yeah, think it's I mean, on. I mean, I don't. Th- I mean, it works enough to where you're not going to suffocate, right? Like, <laughs> like was mo- I, I, I think you're okay in joke. that respect, but it was mostly a joke. I was just sitting here going, like, I'm breathing, and it's like, ugh. What air am I breathing right now? Well, you're probably breathing in like Sprague or something. Uh, that would be, I think, uh, Dusty was here last oh. night. It was Dusty, Buck, and Joe were here last night. And uh, yeah, Dusty coached Banks in the Oregon playoffs yesterday and then came in and did a post-game show. <laughs> dedication. That is dedication right there, too. I don't know if Banks won, so uh, I'm going to say go go the Banks fighting Dusties. Um but the other part of this is that I, I, I talked to Jesse. I'm like, is it really hot in here? Is it just me? He goes, well, I'm comfortable. He's wearing a hoodie, and he says he's comfortable. Yeah. And I think we've talked about this in the show once before, maybe. But apparently, you like to live in an oven. Yeah. Like, you I like. Mean, I mean, I. Yeah, no, I. You say when it's 80 degrees out, you're still wearing a hoodie. Uh, yeah. I mean, so my other job, um, 
some of the rooms that I work in, it's very common for them to be in the 90s. And yeah, I'm in there typically. That's when I'll, I mean, I layer is my, my, that's my, when the sweat starts to beat a little bit. I mean, I, st <laughs> well, I start taking off some of the layers because in the morning, I, I start layering up knowing the cold's coming. You know, I, I have my thermals on and then throw the pants on and got my, my, you know, start off with the, the tank top T, like long sleeve short sleeve then i typically throw on a hoodie then i typically throw on a jacket now when you say cold what temperature are you talking about well i mean like 40 45 60 60 <laughs> oh my god uh so <laughs> you're wearing so, like five layers and 60 degrees yeah that's crazy dude and, and so so like um typically it never goes below the long sleeve so i'll, I'll at all times this time of year at least typically be three layers deep i'm right now and i'm not i'm not that way i rushed out out the door because we had an early start so but you know luckily i was safe because I, I you can crank up all the the individual rooms to your to your liking so i was just kind of playing i was like i'll crank the heat today it'll be it'll be nice in there and then i came in and surprise it was already done for me well yeah so the I walked in and I was like, man, it's even worse in here than it was in the building. And I looked at the thermostat. It said at 55 because whoever was in here yesterday who said it was like, man, it's hot in here. Let's see if we blast the cold. No, there's no cold. No, there's no nothing. It's, no, it's just musty. Every once in a while, the it smells like man. And yeah, HVAC goes down many, like in the summer. We've been in here in the summer when the the AC has been down or at least I have. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it, it's happened here before. I think it's because it's a large building and there's lots of rooms and each one has an individual thermostat in it and it's, or at least the studios do. So it's probably, there's probably a lot of strain on the system. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and assume the system's fairly old. Yeah. I've, this building. I've been up there, checked it out from, and yeah, uh, well, it, early, early on my, the roof. Oh yeah. Early in my time here, I did some time, um, you know, you're scrounging for hours when you start here. You you know, you don't you don't know that. You're you are the famous Mike Lynch that walked in through the door. I was also scrounging for hours in the beginning, okay? I was doing baseball playoffs in a closet for like six months when I started here. Bro, I'm still doing like baseball playoffs in the closet. I've been here for like seven years, so you know, the the difference between the famous Mike Lynch, yeah, he gets yeah, six yeah. months, I get seven years uh -huh. in purgatory. But um you know, that it is. It is what it is. You know. It. Uh, I. In that time, I scrounged up, got some engineer hours. So yeah, that's in, cool. In that time, I was able to. I know a, a little bit of what used to go on around here, but they've upgraded everything, so I have no idea now. I'm. I'm in. I'm in the. Uh, yeah, I know how the board works, and that's it now. I, I've learned a little bit of some, about the upgrades, but it is. Uh, it's all new. New high tech stuff. Used to everything used to be analog which meant there was literal like wires connecting things to the other room. And now it's all digital, which is very different. Uh, we got this text that said, gross. I have the AC at 60 over the summer. Good man. Ooh, Good man. man. No, we don't, we don't even have an AC. Well, um, we throw one in our room, but you know, I, I mean, I'm pretty comfy. Our, our, our house typically in the summer, you know, it'll be a hundred out. It'll be like 82 in our house. I'm pretty comfy in that. Wow. That's, that's awful because to me, hot in the house is like 70. Is there's a difference between outside and inside temperatures too, right? If you're in the house, outside at 70, it's like, okay, it's comfortable. I get it, right? It's fine. Inside at 70, I feel like it's, it's it, once it gets beyond that point, it's when it starts to get kind of sweltering for me. I'm like sitting on the couch and I'm already sweating. It's just because there's no airflow to me. I don't know, because the air doesn't turn on because it doesn't right. need to because it's set over 70 degrees. <laughs> so we have the heat at 67 in our house right now. 
And then in the, I think it's 66 in the sum, summer is what we do. AC at 66. That's right in that comfort zone, what people consider the comfort zone. Which is what, 65 yeah. to 70 or whatever? I, I think the ideal comfort zone is 68. Hmm. A quote from the guy, I used to work in the HVAC business, uh, one of the many jobs I've done. I also will say, quote unquote, 68 comfort zone. Yeah. <laughs> Nay, colder than 68 is the comfort zone for me. Um <laughs> All right, so that's that's enough uh, heat talk. We we will make do. We will survive through the the muck and the stench that is in this room for both of our rooms, I imagine, mm-hmm. today. Uh, we're still going to do our Fantasy Scramble segment coming up at 9.30, so hour and a half away, not a half hour away from the start of the show because we still want to give it to you uh, before the games get started. And we're also going to add in a little bit of the betting tips. I do have uh, two games that I have some money on today. I'm not the most confident this week in some of the spreads, so I'm kind of going a little bit of a different direction so uh, we'll tell you about that at 9.45. Hate it or love, it's going to be at 9.15 today, and our West Coast bias is going to be at 8.30 today. Uh, so at 8.30, we'll talk about the Rams and why they have been struggling and if there is any light at the end of the tunnel for them this year. want to talk about the Miles Garrett thing. Of course, that's going to be coming up in the 9 o'clock segment, and we will obviously open with college football as we always do. Both teams in the state of Oregon, the Ducks and the Beavs getting wins yesterday. Sitting on top of the Pac-12 North, both of them. Well, Oregon clinched the Pac-12 North yesterday. Oregon State still in second in the Pac-12 North, which I think if you said that to Oregon State fan in the preseason, in week one, in week two, and in week three, you would have gotten the look that you were insane that they would have been second in the Pac-12 North at this point in the season. And Especially that's, after and the first three State weeks fan. of the season. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's Oregon State yeah. fan, not even just regular Pac-12 college football fan. So we'll get to those two games coming up next as well. And uh, I think you got a little bit more help if you were Oregon in terms of the college football playoff uh, in, in a couple of different ways. So we'll get to that as well. Text the better you today. Text on to 55305. Uh, you can also find us on social media. I'm at Mike Lynch 27 on Twitter. Jesse's at Jesse Osmond, A-S-Z-M-A-N, and the station's at 1080 The Fan. And uh, we put a Facebook post up as well, facebook.com slash 1080thefan. Rashad, if you'd like to follow him, is at TaylorMade503. But like I said, he is out today, and we are on 8 until 10. So coming up next, let's get into the Ducks and the Beavs win, plus what happened in college football yesterday. This is Football Sunday on The Fan. Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. Eight fifteen here on your Sunday morning. Mike and Jesse with you till 10 o'clock talking plenty of football. West Coast Bias is coming up next and we'll give you your fantasy help in the 9 o'clock hour, 9.30 as per usual. But we will start as always with college football from yesterday and that means we'll start with the ducks of the beeves both teams getting wins in their games yesterday oregon a big 34 to 6 win over arizona and then oregon state a big win 35 34 over arizona state not as big in terms of uh futures for oregon state but it is one game away from being bull eligible which would be absolutely insane for jonathan smith this year based on the expectations i want to start with that game quickly uh, before we get into the oregon game and the rest of the weekend as well uh from the second that game started you knew you had good jake luton and that was the the most important thing for the beavs yesterday jake luton has been very very good this year but you can tell when you're watching the game if he's on on 
and accurate and the offense is humming or if it's going to be a little bit more of a inconsistent day where he's missing some receivers and maybe he's having some pressure hit him and having a little bit of tougher throws. Uh, the running game didn't really get going yesterday like we've seen with the Bees, but it didn't matter because Luton threw four touchdown passes. Isaiah Hodgins almost had 100 yards receiving again, six catches, 93 yards. Uh, Noah Togiai as well got 76 yards and a touchdown as he had a, a really, really big game for the Bees. As you heard Jesse say in his update uh, at the start of the show, Arizona State went for the win at the end, did not get the two-point conversion. Huge win for Oregon State, who's still in second place in the Pac-12 North. Yeah, four and three in conference play and is one win away from being bowl eligible. Um, I wonder if this is going to be, if this is a huge second year leap for Jonathan Smith and this is kind of the new normal for Oregon state, or is it going to be kind of a Gary Anderson thing where he goes, what was, what was it in his second or third year? He had five or six wins, something like that. Everyone's like, oh, wow, Oregon State's really going to get it turned around. And then that next year, he completely fell flat and wound up quitting that next year. I don't think that's going to be the case with Jonathan Smith. But I wonder if is this OK to be expecting this level now moving forward for the Beavs? I, I think the, the weird thing is this is kind of what you were expecting maybe to see next year. Like the or year hoping to. Yeah, that, yeah, um, you know, he he is starting to bring in some better recruiting talent where before it was just, I mean, you're getting, you're literally dredging the bottom of the recruits trying to get anybody that will come into Corvallis. Now you're starting to get, you know, a couple three-star, four-star recruits to come in and at least give you a look. Um, he's doing a great job of getting those, those second chance guys at the junior college level to come in and, contribute immediately and if you could just continue to get a little bit more out of this defense because obviously that is the weakness of this team but I think at the same time it's better than you were expecting um, that you know we just keep working on this defense keep the offense in, in, in the shape like if you could just keep this type of production out of your offense and bring your defense along I think you're 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 looking at yeah we should be expecting five six seven wins and that's not unrealistic, especially in a Pac-12 North that right now seems to be reeling a little bit. Well, and well, I think that's another part that's that's kind of interesting about this is it's reeling right now, but can you expect it to be reeling again next year, right? Like, do you think UW's going to have the same issues next year? Do you think Washington State's going to have the same issues next year? I'm not sure. I'm going to go ahead and, and bet on no. I think they'll probably bounce back to be at a level that we expected. Uh, Stanford, on the other hand, I don't know. I think Stanford might kind of just be not great right now. Um, but... Uh, your your point about the defense is, is totally right. I mean, it it has still been inconsistent as the year has gone. I mean, it was terrible to start the year, right? That was the biggest concern. It's like, oh, my God, the defense sucks again. Right. But, I mean, you, you only give up 17 points to Cal. Now, I, I know Cal does not have a very good offense, but if a defense is really, really bad, having any good game is really important. Um, Obviously, you lose, lose to Washington last week, but you still get – only 19 points given up in that game, which is huge against an offense like Washington, which can get the ball down the field and score. And against Arizona State, yeah, giving up 34 points doesn't look good on paper, but once you got to the second half, you forced Arizona to punt like five times. You had a fumble in there as well. Uh, you really kind of turned it on. And that's good to see because that's the biggest thing you want to see improvement from because you know Jonathan Smith has a good offense. And you know that he's got a good enough players in that offense that it's going to be electric and explosive for most games unless you're just playing an amazing defense that game like Washington last week. But um, 
you really wanted to see some improvement from Tim Tibisar's defense, see that he is the right guy to be the defensive coordinator and kind of get it going. And I, I think you've seen that, which is huge for the Bees. You really, really want that defense to be at least average so that you have more of a chance to win games. And that's what you've gotten. You've gotten an average defense. Right. Sometimes bad, sometimes good. Uh, the offense is good enough all the time to keep you in most of these games, and that's why you're 500, five and five, and one win away from a bowl. Well, there were so many years that Oregon went on the. You know what? We're not. We don't need an elite defense. We just need a defense. We'll, we'll give up. We'll give up yards between the twenties in the red zone. We start making some plays, but it, it, most importantly, in the big moments, you make the plays. And you know, in the in the biggest moment, you know you. You didn't allow a two-point conversion last night, so that you know you you allowed your offense to build a lead. So you made some stops early in that game, so Oregon State could build on that lead. Because guess what? They did. They didn't finish out as strong offensively as they did uh, in that game, but defensively they str- they started out you know finished as strong as. Uh, as that offense in a way. So, you know, they, they did a good job of making the plays when they need to, which is what you need from a defense that's average at best. Oregon getting the win over Arizona 34 to six, the final score. Now, I think a lot of people were going into this game. You knew, you knew that they were going to beat Arizona, right? I think that was, it was almost, I don't want to say it was a given. It was almost a given that you were going to beat Arizona. You were 28 point favorites. Uh, You did not cover the spread, by the way, actually you, I think you pushed the spread exactly if it was 28. Um, but what a lot of Oregon fans wanted to see in this game was not the early season Oregon conservative when you had a lead. You wanted to see them run the score up because that's important when the college football playoff is looking at your results. If you just dominate a certain team, it's going to help you in the rankings moving forward, right? Oregon's sixth right now in the rankings. Uh, I'm not going to go ahead and say 34 six is running the score up necessarily. I think Oregon left some points on the table in this game for sure. But it's still a dominating, convincing win, which will obviously do nothing to hurt Oregon into the college football playoff. Um, there were not a lot of negatives to take out of this game, not, or I, I shouldn't say negatives. There weren't a lot of critiques in this game. Uh, the running game didn't work super well. It was good, but not great. But Justin Herbert was very good yesterday, uh, throwing four touchdown passes. His interception came off a tipped pass where he tried to throw into a tight window to Johnny Johnson uh, near the goal line, and it was just one of those tip drill plays that Arizona was able to get the pick on. So. It wasn't the best pass, it was, but it wasn't necessarily a terrible interception either for Herbert, who otherwise was spectacular. But if, if you want to be critical about anything moving forward, if you're trying to predict how they would play in a college football playoff scenario or in the Rose Bowl, if they do win the Pac-12 and do not make the college football playoff, Camden Lewis sucks. The kicking game sucks. I don't know how on earth he hit the game-winning field goal against Washington State. Thank you for doing that, Camden Lewis, if you're an Oregon fan. But, I mean, he missed the 20-yard field goal yesterday. And then the other thing is I still wish Justin Herbert would run the football a little bit more. I wish on those option plays he would take the ball and run it because he get there was a – I forget when in the game it was. I think it was in the second or third quarter. Ducks were at the goal line. It was actually when Camden Lewis missed the 20-yard field goal. I think it was second quarter. Um, he, they did the, the option play, the read option. Justin Herbert wide open to the right side if he had held, t- held the ball and ran it to the end zone. Instead, hands it off gets stopped at the goal line, goes to the field goal, missed field goal. I understand you're protecting Justin Herbert because he wants to be, you know, he's going to the NFL and you don't want to get him hurt. And you saw what happened to Tua yesterday. Um, But I just wish he would run the ball a little bit more because that's a really good part of his game we just don't see. I I understand that. Um, I think if the moment's different, maybe he runs the ball. Like, this is a game from, from the first down, 
you're in control. That offense could not move the ball against that defense yesterday. Um, managed six points there in in the second quarter somehow. Um, it it it's just one of those things where you're looking at it. You know, like, what do we need to do to get this win? And that's one thing that that Mario Cristobal does. He doesn't worry about running up the score. He just goes, what are we going to need to do to win the game? Could they have put up another 20, 30 points yesterday? Probably. Like, that was just big play after big play for Justin Herbie. Oh, they're, I mean, they the dialed. First, the first play of the game for him, the first pass of the game, was that 60-yard touchdown to Johnny Johnson. He was just wide open down the right sideline. And they did a great job dialing up plays to get these receivers open. And, um you know, and he was making some some great plays where the receivers were, you know, just a step ahead of the defensive backs, but he was putting that ball in perfect place for them to catch it and just leap over the goal line. It it was a really impressive performance from that respect. At the same time, Mario Cristobal does a great job of slowing the game down, running the ball, um, playing time of possession. It, he he plays smart football. And um, at the same time, I think he also respects his opponent by not putting up 60 if he doesn't need to. And and it, with all of that, why run Justin Herbert on that option if you don't need to? The only the only thing about the not running the score up thing is if that's that's fine. You can respect the opponent all you want, but you you need to have big wins for the college football playoff committee to notice that big win. Right. I mean, so, uh, I mean agreed. I, it's not like they're up watching that game yesterday. Probably, you know, and, and that's that's the biggest problem is how many I people know Rob are actually, was <laughs> how many of these guys are watching these games? Because if you watch the game, you go, oh, this team could do whatever they wanted. Basically, they just kind of chose chose their moments in the game. Uh, the other thing, too, is you can be conservative as long as your defense is playing like their defense was yesterday. Um, the defense, once again, was spectacular, not giving up a touchdown. Uh, you held Khalil Tate and. Grant Gannell, both quarterbacks who were playing for Arizona do under 100 yards passing, both combined, or not combined, each. They had over 100 combined, but 82 yards for Gannell, and, and Tate had 50. Tate rushed the ball nine times for 19 yards, an average of two yards per carry. I mean, they were just all over. A, a pretty good Arizona offense, keeping them to six points is, is, is still impressive. So that's obviously, if you want to be critical about the kicking and, and maybe Justin Herbert using his legs more, you got to be uh, really, really glowingly positive about the defense being good. Herbert was mostly on the entire game. A couple of his little overthrows happened. Um, hopefully he gets those cleaned away moving forward, or at least once he goes to the NFL, because that will kill him in the NFL. Uh, but otherwise he was very accurate and the offensive line played well. Receivers got open. It was, uh, it was good. Obviously I think Pittman got hurt in the game though. So it was that, that is a negative for the ducks, but um, receivers catching the balls this year. Juwan like Johnson has turned into a beast. I'm so happy that he came back healthy and good because I was really worried that he was never going to kind of pan out because there was so much hype about him coming in from Penn State and the back injury kept him out for like five weeks and you're like oh my god is he ever going to play and then he comes into the first game and he catches one ball or two balls and you're like okay come on get this guy involved and now he's the, the true number one that you wanted and it allows Johnny Johnson not to be the only guy and he's a being an undersized guy having to be the number one receiver you've got Jawan Johnson on the other side which works out uh, elsewhere in college football yesterday one bad thing for the Ducks, college football playoff chances, and a couple of things that I think are positives. Number one, the bad thing is that Auburn lost to Georgia. You want Auburn to keep winning because you want that loss to look better. Uh, and Auburn already has had one loss, I think, before going into that game, or even two losses before going into that game. So you just wanted them to keep winning 
to make Oregon's loss in week one look a little bit better. It's not the end of the world that they lost to Georgia. It was a good game. It was a seven-point game. Uh, but, it was 21-14 Georgia, right? Yes. Yeah, so but, not, uh, not bad at all. But you wanted them to win. You want, you want Auburn to keep winning. Yeah. Uh, in terms of things that are positive, in my opinion, is the fact that it's not a positive for college football, but it's a positive for you. Two is out for the rest of the year. He's hurt, uh, hurt his hip. He was screaming in pain, had to be flown in a helicopter from the game to Dr. James Andrews, actually, immediately uh, to get it looked at. He's out for the season. Alabama is good enough to keep rolling, but without Tua, that's going to hurt, I think, even the college football playoff rankings looking at them because they're saying without Tua, they're not the same team, right? Tua right. Is, the, is that good. Uh, you also saw the Big Ten cannibalize itself a little bit. Uh, Penn State won, but barely over Indiana. And they look at, even if the win is close against a bad team, they look at that as a negative. Look at Oklahoma against Iowa State last weekend. That affected the Sooners a little bit. Also, Minnesota losing to Iowa. It's huge, right? There goes an undefeated team that was up to number eight in the rankings. Iowa's at number 20. They're not making the playoffs. The Big Ten is hurting itself outside of Ohio State, of course, um, in, in terms of getting a potential second team in. And also, if Ohio State does lose to any of those teams in the Big Ten championship game, that's going to hurt them more if they have more losses. Baylor also no longer undefeated. They lost to Oklahoma. They had a 28-3 to lead and blew the lead. How did that happen? They were dominating that game in the beginning. That was just insane. Uh, they had a little Atlanta Falcons show up. A little uh, Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl, 28-3. to uh, Oklahoma winning that game is big for them, but it hurts the Big 12 because Baylor is no longer undefeated. So I think those are small positives for Oregon, plus the win, obviously, but uh, you really wanted Auburn to win. So that's the college football weekend. Ducks and Beavs win. Beavs one win away from a bowl. Ducks getting closer to are still controlling their destiny and getting closer for that chance at a college football playoff spot. As you and they move. will be in the Pac-12 championship they game. They will be in the Pac-12 championship game, but you cannot lose before the Pac-12 championship game. You have to be, have one loss, and you hope Utah doesn't lose either, so you're both one-loss teams and you beat Utah that gives you every piece of ammo you can need to get into the college football playoff with some other results, obviously needing to help you out as well. Coming up next, it's time for the West Coast bias as we switch gears to the NFL here on Football Sunday. The Rams are really struggling offensively. What's going on, and are they going to improve it all this year? Or was uh, is Sean McVay losing some of that special touch? That is next. First, Jesse Sports. It's time for some West Coast flavor. Yes, this is the center of the football universe. Don't oversell it. I'm not selling anything. Come on, stop milking it. I didn't hear my lungs. I'd scream at you. This is West Coast Bias, an in-depth look at the NFL's Western teams on Football Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. I'm here. Don't worry. Sorry. I was just in the other room talking to Jesse for a second. Uh, West Coast bias time. Remember, we are uh, we changed it up slightly because we're on an hour early today, 8 to 10. We still have our fantasy scramble coming up at 930, as well as our, our new little uh, quick hit betting tip thing that we're doing uh, at the end of the show. And then we got Hater Love It coming up at 1015 or 915, not 10 o'clock. We're not on in the 10 o'clock hour today. 915 for Hater or Love It. But this is the West Coast bias, and I wanted to talk about last year's Super Bowl runner-ups, the Los Angeles Rams, who have been 
struggling mightily this year offensively for the most part. Uh, there, there have been games where they look like their old Rams selves, and there have been a lot of games where they have looked absolutely dreadful. One of those games was last week, and I'd like to say thank you very much, Jared Goff, for only throwing the ball to Cooper Cup once or twice, and he didn't have any catches because I lost my fantasy matchup because Cooper Cup had zero points. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. Um, but they only scored 12 points last week against the Steelers. A couple of weeks ago, if you remember against the Niners, they only scored seven points in what was a very embarrassing performance for them offensively. Also, the, Ra uh, the Rams' only touchdown last week was a defensive touchdown on the very first play of the game. Mason Rudolph had a snap go over his head, and he it was returned for a touchdown. And that was it. That was the only touchdown that they got. So the Rams have been disappointing. They already have four losses. All they are is five and four right now. They're third in the in the NFC West behind the obviously now one loss Niners and a very, very, very good Seahawks team. It's it's been strange how quickly it all fell apart. They were the darlings of the NFL. Sean McVay was the darling of the NFL as a head coach. They signed Jared Goff to the big extension. And this is what we're getting now. And I I guess that's kind of the best place to start is Jared Goff because you sign up to the extension. I think most people know Goff isn't great, right? Goff can look good. Goff, the offense puts Goff in really good situations, but we know he's not a great quarterback. We know he's a good quarterback, and he's good in this offense for, for you know, leading them down the field to score 30 points in games. But watching him this year, it, it, every wart that Jared Goff has is being exposed. He stares down receivers. He has pretty iffy pocket awareness in terms of where the pressure is coming from. And there's just issues across the board for him at, at the quarterback position. There was a highlight I saw earlier today. I was watching a little bit NFL game day this morning when I woke up where Goff stared to the guy, two receivers on the left side who were double covered and in, in a tough zone coverage. He had a guy underneath wide open on the right. He didn't look, had bad pocket awareness, and then had the ball strip sacked from him. It was it was the epitome of Jared Goff, bad Jared Goff this year. And I wonder if this is just who Goff is and we're just going to have to kind of get used to him not being great or all the time. And that will really hurt the Rams moving forward because you just signed him to a seven-year contract. I think if you actually watched Jared Goff play last year, you saw a guy that had a really good offensive line with good chemistry, um, obviously at the beginning of the season. Um, well, even late in the season once they added C.J. Anderson, there was elite running attack to go with it that you had to think about. And all the – all the little tools that he had at his disposal. They they used Gurley to perfection in the passing game. Cooper Cup, you know, and, and you started seeing the warts disappear once Cooper Cup left the lineup last season. But, you know, uh, Robert Woods on the outside, and and guess who's, who's not there on the outside right now? Brandon Cooks. So uh, all these little things that – these little pieces that he's missing. He's not a Peyton Manning. He's not a Tom Brady. He's not a guy that's going to put a team on his shoulders and win you 12 games. This is a guy that with a good offensive line, with a powerful running game, with the three top weapons at his disposal, he can hurt you. But this is not this. It's not even the same defense that they had last year. This, this defense they had, they had to give way. Like the cap was starting to 
to hurt the Rams. And you're going to see that going forward where they're going to have to make sacrifices based on the cap. And so you, you think about all the little places they, they took a step back. Uh, I don't necessarily think Goff is being exposed. I, I just think that all those things that made him successful as a good quarterback aren't there anymore. And that most quarterbacks, if they have that in this league, they can have a semblance of success. Maybe not. I, I think he's still a good quarterback, but I just don't think he's a guy that's going to put the team on his shoulders. And well, that's why I say he's good. He's not great. No, I think some people were assuming after last year that he might be a great quarterback because he was playing so well, right? His, uh, his with numbers, all those things around right. him, he was playing so well. well yes. that, that, that was going to be my next point is so Goff is still Goff is still struggling, right? The things that we thought we knew about Jared Goff are still true, which is what I was saying. But you're right. Todd Gurley and the running game non-existent for the most part. They have yet to have an 100 yard rusher this year. And so much of the Rams offense is predicated on play action passes. Um tricking the defense or making sure that at least they have to care about the run and that gets guys open. And you're right. The offensive line is, I think the biggest reason the Rams are struggling is they lost a couple of guys, their center and their guard from last year are gone. And it's been a train wreck all year, to be honest with you watching. I mean, the, the Rams offensive line is just not good. And it's interesting because you still have good players on that offensive line. Um, I mean, Whitworth is still there at left tackle. He's just having a really down year. I think you're seeing maybe his age is catching up to him. Because yep. remember, they signed, he signed with the Rams as a true veteran to kind of be the guy to kind of help be the veteran on that offense because it was a very young offense at the time. Uh, I think you might be seeing that he hit that wall of being an old offensive lineman and he's slowing down. Um, defensively, too, it's been fixed, but they had the wrong guys on defense. Marcus Peters was a, was a bad guy for that locker room. Right, he's so much better in Baltimore right now. I mean, is he? Yeah, he's 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 only been there for one day, one game. He's right? got pick six already, bro. Okay, well, I know, I know, I think he's been there too, and he's got an interception in both games. It's I'm just saying, Marcus Peters is good. Don't he, get me he wrong. Is, he, yes, no, I think I think change of scenery for him's good. Marcus uh, Peters is good. Jalen Ramsey's better. Jalen Ramsey is much better. <laughs> but I also think there was a Marcus Peters doesn't tackle. We've known that forever. He literally will refuse to tackle. He will literally just like walk out of a play to not even have to hit a guy. Akeem Tlaib, I think, is kind of at the end of his career in terms of where his skill set is hitting that wall as well. He's been hurt most of the year. He got traded to Miami. Um, but not going to play either. He won't play there. Uh, probably, do they waive him? Or he might just be out the rest I of the year. I think he's on their IR. Yeah. They, they just traded him. They literally basically were like, hey, we'll give you money in a six-round pick. Will you take Akeem Tlaib? And they're right. like, sure. We're not going to play him. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Um, but I think what you were seeing was there was some staleness on that defense as well. Once they brought in a bunch of the new guys, they made a lot of changes on defense. They've traded like four or five guys on defense. The defense has looked way better the last few weeks. Well, and more, Matthews with the broken jaw early in the season as well. True. That's true. Uh, it's just looked more active. They've looked more there, whereas the Rams defense looked like they were sleepwalking in the first half of the season. So those moves were good and important, and they got them back. Um, that's that part of the ball back. But the offense is still having these inconsistent weeks where they struggle and, and it's because of all of those things. I, I The number one thing is the offensive line. The number two thing is Gurley. There's the a lack of game. trust there in his in his health. I, it has to be. And then it's Goff. I think Goff has plenty of things he still needs to work on, even though he's you know no longer really a, a young guy in his career. He's kind of getting into that, that point where you kind of consider him a vet because he's been in the league for long enough at this point. But he still has to improve on a couple of things. And if not, he's going to need everything else to work around him, and it's just not working. So... I do think the Rams today against the Bears might have one of those angry bounce back games 
the Bears defense has not been as good this year as we thought it would be, especially as the as the losing has started happening for them. And it's just sometimes you kind of have a feeling of this team lost and got embarrassed last week. They're not going to let it happen again. The loss to the Niners was understandable because, well, it was the Niners defense. They scored seven points. Guess what they did? They scored 37 the next week against Atlanta, but they scored 37 points the next week. You scored 12 points, no offensive touchdowns last week against the Steelers team. That's not that good. You lose that game, as you saw, it's certainly not good on Thursday night as they lost to the Browns in that game. We'll get to that in the in the 9 o'clock segment. But um, I think they're going to come back and bounce back against this Bears team. That that defense will destroy much of Trubisky. Trubisky sucks. So I think they're going to get a big win today as a bounce-back win. Luckily, I think that they, they've been set up for great bounce-back opportunities. When you when you think about the Bears, um, you're right that the – the run defense has not been elite this year. I think the past defense has been good, not great. Um, so that'll be an interesting challenge to watch and see if Jared Goff can get his receivers going today against those corners. But I mean, you should see Gurley get going a little bit today. If you don't see Gurley, Gurley going at all today, that that's going to be a big major concern for the Rams going the rest of the season because you can run against this Bears defense then on the on the flip side that that defense starting to gel now starting to get healthy and a reeling struggling offense that literally has zero identity like none they they don't run the ball at all in the first half despite the fact that they have one of the worst starters in the league at the moment and then they decide they're gonna try to pound the ball in the second half with a bad offensive line and a running back who's averaging like two yards of carry. It's just, it's the perfect setup for the Rams to bounce back today. All right, let's take a quick break coming up next. I do want to, we didn't get a chance to obviously because it was the Monday night game last week, but I'd love to chat a little bit about the Seahawks Niners game from Monday night, which was a spectacular game, but I want to talk less about the game because well, you've talked about it all week or, or, or it's, you know, a week ago by this point, but what does that mean in terms of the NFC West? Does that mean that you think the Seahawks are better than the Niners? What did that game tell you about the top of the NFC West? That is next here on Football Sunday on the... Weekends were made for sports. This is Sports Sunday with Mike and Rashad on 1080 The Fan. 8.50 here on your Sunday morning. Mike and Jesse with you. Rashad's out this week. We're here with you until 10 o'clock today. Seahawks in a bye. We will have some NFL for you. And then uh, we'll also have Ducks basketball a little bit later on this afternoon as well here on The Fan. Monday Night Football was the crazy overtime win. Thankfully a win, not a tie between the Seahawks and the Niners and the Seahawks getting the win in the game. Uh, mostly thanks to a missed field goal by the Niners, but uh, Hey, that happens. Got to hit, got to hit your field goals. It's like you say in basketball, free throws matter. Field goals matter in the NFL. Kickers matter. Yeah. yeah uh, as you can tell, like some teams are going through like three, four five kickers in a season trying to find one. Yes. Uh, so it was a crazy game. There was, everything you kind of wanted in, in a, pr- a premier Monday night football game, which by the way, Bravo Monday night football for finally getting a premier game. Really, really, really good for, for them. Uh, I, the broadcast isn't great. I, I will never say that I enjoy watching that broadcast. I used to love Joe Testator in college football. I don't think he's great in the NFL. And I think Booger is 
<laughs> really, really tough to listen to. But it was nice to have the only game on Monday be that game and be a fun game to watch. Uh, I don't really want to talk about the game. We've had a whole week to digest it. I want to talk about what that game meant to you and to me in the NFC West at this point of the season. To me, it was very, very clear uh, what, what, it, what it meant after, after the fact. I think the Seahawks are a better team than the 49ers. And it all comes down to one thing and one thing only, and that's the quarterback position. Russell Wilson con- continued after a really tough first half against a really good Niners defense, um, best or second best in the NFL, you can say with the Patriots, whatever you want, um, although they got exposed a little bit by Lamar Jackson a couple weeks ago. Um, that, that quarterback battle matters. And Jimmy Garoppolo is nowhere near the level of Russell Wilson, and it was proven yet again in that game. Garoppolo not clutch. Russell Wilson as clutch as it can be, as he can be. And we got a text alluding to that, too, on the Better You Today text line. That's what I learned. I'm a Niners fan. Garoppolo's not clutch. Russell Wilson's the best. And I think that's the big difference right now is uh, there are games, there's a game separating the two of them in the, uh, in the NFC West. And they will play each other one more time the rest of the, later in the season. But to me, it was the Seahawks are the better team. The Niners have the way better defense. But when it comes down to it, in a close game between two good teams, you need that quarterback to be something special. And I'm not sure Garoppolo is. Obviously, Russell Wilson, again, cementing. I think he's the clear-cut MVP right now in the NFL. Man, um, hard to dispute it. when When you think about how much Russell Wilson has to do to get wins um, against teams that are considered as good or better than he is when you think about an average defense. Um, that I think that offensive line's got a little bit exposed this year. They do try to run the ball, and against certain teams, they run the ball very efficiently, very well, and other teams other – Teams, they really rely on Chris Carson breaking tackles and he manning his way through the offensive line. And and when that running game isn't clicking and, you know, they can't let Russell Wilson just pass the ball 25, 28 times a game like they ideally want to in a game plan, guess what? It's the Russell Wilson show. And I don't know if any show um, is better to watch in the NFL than the Russell Wilson show when you think about his pinpoint accuracy, his ability to scramble behind the line of scrimmage to give his receivers time to get open, to make the big plays, to to lift up receivers like Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, who was considered an elite prospect but extremely unpolished coming into the draft and what he's been able to do in the ma- the quick maturation um, with a guy like him, uh, oh, guess what? Uh, we don't have um, – uh, we lost our top tight end, so now here comes this guy off the practice squad. Hollister's just racking up the receptions, racking up the yards, and racking up the touchdowns in just a couple games with him. He's just – he's a guy that – it. W- what are we talking about? What are we talking about with Jerry Goff? If everything's perfect, he's a good quarterback. He's a He looks like a great quarterback. Russell Wilson, not everything's perfect around him. You know, you – you don't have an elite offensive line. You don't have an elite defense. You don't have necessarily an elite running game. I think you have a good running game, but not an elite one. You definitely don't have elite receivers, and he lifts that team up around him like an elite quarterback. And and that I, I, I think that is the biggest argument that you can say uh, for an MVP. What What's he doing 
for the rest of the team around him. What's the rest of the team doing for him? And when you think about Russell Wilson, I, I think with the other guys, you know, that are possibly in that conversation, he's probably the one that does the most with the least. Yeah, I would say if you want to go guys who are in the MVP race right now, it would be three. It would be him. It would be Lamar Jackson and it would be Christian McCaffrey. And again, this, this always comes down to the debate of like, oh, what does value mean in the MVP, right? Like what's most valuable? But you're right. Doing the most with the least is Russell Wilson. Um, that defense on the Seahawks is not great this year. No. Uh, you're right about the injuries. Jacob Halster, by the way, from Oregon, Mountain View High School in Bend. So uh, good on you, Oregon native, getting, getting uh, some good run in Seattle. The offensive line's not great. And you're, I think Tyler Lockett's really, really good. Um, I think Russell Wilson makes him better, but I think Lockett is kind of cementing himself as that next kind of big Julian Edelman kind of guy. He's small, he's shifty, he's crafty. Or hell, even like, I'm not going to say to this level, but in terms of style of, of receiving, it, it, like Antonio Brown plays on the inside. He's smaller, but he's always open. He's always open. I'm not going to say he's as good as Antonio Brown, but he's in that kind of a, a mold, in my opinion. Metcalf, you're right. I thought Metcalf was going to suck. I thought Metcalf was all physicals. I remember these conversations. And no skill. And I still think there's some a lot of growing pains with Metcalf, but he has proven to be way better than I expected. I can certainly eat crow on that. I think Russell Wilson, though, is a huge part of it. And then how about Josh Gordon? Not getting a lot of run yet, last week. First game with the team. Made two big catches, though. His only two catches of the game were two big catches in the game. And just imagine now you have three legitimate weapons for him to throw the ball to. Four, if you want to include the tight end position, because no matter who plays there, he uses that position well. Uh, Disley, Wilson, now Hollister. It doesn't matter. They're used. And then they still run the ball really well and effectively with Chris Carson. That offense is good enough to, I think, win the NFC West, whereas I'm not sure the Niners' offense is good enough to win the NFC West. Their defense is just insane. But Garoppolo is inconsistent. The running game is inconsistent. Brita got hurt again. Um, you haven't been able to find the right kind of combination every single game of running backs. You've got a lot of them. Uh, Coleman obviously had that four-touchdown game, but four touchdown games can be a little bit fluky. It depends where the ball is, and a lot of them are, were inside the five-yard line. So, I mean, it's kind of like, okay, it's a four-touchdown game, but it wasn't necessarily him being amazing in that entire game. Um, I just I think the Seahawks are, are right now a more balanced team, and that's just because the offense is better. So that's that's what I learned from Monday Night Football. Obviously, they they still are, are down by a game, or I guess a half a game in the division. Um, but I think at the end of the year, you're going to see the Seahawks at the top of the NFC West. I when it, when it's all said and done, you know we we talked about this before we signed off on Sunday about how you know it, it would not be a surprise if we saw San Francisco go four and four down the stretch of the season based on how easy the first half of the schedule was and how hard the second half of the schedule was. Why I'm not surprised about a Seattle Seahawks team walking away in that scenario. Granted, they needed the help of a, a kicker who, who missed a kick that he could have made in that game. But the this team is just always playing up to the talent and down to the talent. And there is not a team that probably plays in more close games and wins more close games than the Seattle Seahawks. And a lot of that has to do with, with Russell Wilson. This is a guy that, man, the last minute heroics that that he has are just absolutely insane. Even in games that they lose, I, I there was a game um, that I was running the board for this year. It was one of their losses, one of their two losses, and I 
I don't I don't think they let him loose until the fourth quarter. And he throws like three touchdowns in the fourth quarter, and it's just a little bit too little, a little bit too late, you know. And it, sometimes they just for don't adjust that game plan soon enough. But I mean, the the guy just he's automatic in the fourth quarter. It is ridiculous. Um, and, and I brought it up on this the show before. I'm not a big Russell Wilson fan as far as personality, but you know, just the same thing as Tom Brady. It's it's an awe. I'm in awe watching him yep. play the game. Personality doesn't matter if you're that good of a quarterback. And that's uh, his personality is not bad. It's just fake. I think that was kind of what we all kind of came to the conclusion last week is he just he's a little bit a little bit too fake, but that's OK. Some people some people are like that. As long as he's a good quarterback, it doesn't matter. That's right. As long as his teammates like him, it doesn't matter. That's right. All right. Let's take a break. We got another full hour coming up for you. We've got it's going to be a fast paced hour. We're going to talk about the Miles Garrett situation next. We've got Hater to Love It coming up at 915 and start getting those fantasy questions in to the Better You Today text line at 55305 as uh, we will answer those at 9.30. This is Football Sunday on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 